recording now. All right, hello guys. Welcome to the Melanin Margin. I'm your host, Quaviandre Williams. And I'm Daquan Wilson. And this is the talk show dedicated to bringing Black voices to light because we will no longer be silent. So Daquan, do you think all white people are racist? I actually do not. It's an interesting thing. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of the book White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. I think that in some of the narratives that we have in saying that all white people are racist, we are internalizing that racism ourselves. So what I, be, what I mean by that is by acknowledging or saying or claiming that all white people are racist, we're giving them a lead into doing racist acts because then we're saying, oh, well, like all white people are racist. So like, it's just natural for them to be racist. However, I think that there is room for improvement and like not being racist. So. Um, I don't know, for me, it's more so like, I, I look at it from the structural integrity of it all. Like the mm -hmm. fact that we have the systemic racism built into our um, governments, into our uh, education system and stuff like that. For instance, specifically, when we look at uh, Black history, the starting of Black history in textbooks being um, slaves or savages or people who like we, we had no way of, we had no kind of structure in our society whatsoever. And that was never the case. And I think that in some ways, as a white person reading that, and as a Black person, when I read that, I never knew that we started or, or created anything. The first introduction right. that we see of Black people um, achieving anything is through the Civil Rights room, uh, Movement, uh, the Harlem Renaissance, or whatever the case may be. But even then, it was more so like, okay, it, it didn't talk about the massive things that we've done, more like smaller things, you know, in, in, in congruence with white people, if that makes any sense. Like, it was never just our personal things. Like, look at look at what the white person let us do. They let us have our own blank, or they let us have this, or oh, look, we have we have Martin Luther King. Now, don't get me wrong, Martin Luther King is an icon, period, point blank and simple. But the point is, in the textbooks that we see, his achievement is still muffled by the fact that there is racism present in that time. There is it's still muffled by the fact that there are there is this um sense of white superiority there. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. like if all of our achievements seem to be um, connected with white people instead of individual. Because if you look at white history, you see that they were hunters and gatherers and they did this and they did that and they did you know all these things. They created this uh, economy and government and blah, 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 blah. And it was completely separate from black people. But when we are introduced in our textbooks, we are shown in always in connection to white people. And in that way, that makes me feel like no matter what, no matter where you are, if you are a white person raised in America, especially in our school system, in our government, there is no room. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's you're a Ku Klux Klan member. I'm not, I'm not going that far. I'm not saying that you just woke up and you're like, you know what, I'm about to kill a whole bunch of niggas. Like that's not that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that there is a level of racism with that is um in every white person that's born in America. I just, that's just personally for me. Do you have a counterpoint for that? Or do you just, uh, do you, uh, um, how do you explain it for yourself? I would say that like, there is a level of socialization of racism. Okay. Person in terms of like, I think every institution is inherently racist as it came out of a racist period in our history. 
-hmm. and creating a white, like all of our institutions are white centric. They were not created with black people in mind because black people were not people back then. Yes. Um, so I wouldn't say that all white people are racist. However, I would heavily say that all white people benefit from racism. I think that would be like my counterpoint in saying that like, while they themselves may not be producing these institutions of racism, they get a benefit from them. And that in turn creates them perpetuating these systems because then they are being like, well, I can live my life this way and nothing will ever happen to me. And they perpetuate racism. Oh, so you think it's more so instead of them being intrinsically racist, it's just based off of the socialization, the socialization you said? Right. It's one of those things that like they there's this kind of aversion to change because okay. with a the change, then you are entering a sphere that you have never dealt with before. And those changes are uncomfortable, but of course they're very much necessary. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's just it's just that whole thing of like, especially um, within the things that I've seen in my life, that it's just I feel it's impossible for a white person to not hold some racist ideology, even though it might not be you know outward or it might not be something that they communicate on a daily basis. It may be something that's more of a subconscious racism, if that makes any sense. You know, it's not so much in the forefront of their consciousness as it is in the back of their consciousness. So they might not necessarily, you know, go out saying, oh, I think all black people steal or whatever. But I have, but you do notice that there is a certain level of like anxiety, anxiety that, you know, you see from white people when they see, a, like if, if you see a white woman, a, a, a blonde white lady walking down the street and there's a black a black crowd of men walking towards her, regardless of what their actual intentions may be, if they're just trying to cross the street, she's gonna feel that anxiety of like, oh, these are two, like these are three or four or five black people walking towards me, regardless of their actual intentions versus if she saw the same group of people that were white walking towards her, it would not have the same, um, the same effect if that makes any sense. And that, not, not, that's not to say that we're not, we're not going by the, just the gender aspect, because if, we do, if we're going by gender, then that's a whole other thing, that's another conversation. So much. But, like, but as far as like the simple fact of a white person seeing a black crowd, period, it just, it, it has us, there, there's a level of anxiety there, if that makes any sense. That's why I feel like it's not so much that their racism is, like I said, um, rampant in their life. It's just like, even with their parents or grandparents in their life, you know, certain things that they may do or the way they may hold themselves has some racist undertone. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. Um, I think that what we're getting at right now is how different people have different definitions of racism. Okay, yeah, I, mean, okay, I, feel, I feel you. Yeah, so for me, I think that racism is prejudice plus power. Okay. So I think that there can be this prejudice that white people have because of their socialization and how they grow up through these white centric institutions. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't become then racist until you have some exertion of power. So like using your example, like a white lady crossing the street uh -huh. because she's uncomfortable with black people, a crowd of black people, definitely prejudice, definitely bad but that's not necessarily racism. However, if that same situation happens and that white lady then calls the cops, that's an exertion of power. You oh, are 
security okay. and the power of like having the privilege of being able to benefit from these institutions and then using those institutions to then harm black people. Okay, so I see what you're saying. You're saying it's more so not just the, where, the definition for you, like you said, was uh, power plus prejudice. prejudice. So it's not so much, so, okay, so, I see, so you're saying like for you, racism wouldn't be a, a, um, a white woman not necessarily wanting her kid to play with a black kid versus her saying, oh, that black kid might hurt my child, so let me uh, tell this, let me, let me tell my husband to go, you know, do something about it or something like that. I would even argue that in that situation, both of them would still be racism because the white woman still has that position of power over her child. So she's not being racist to her child, but Mm -hmm. it's racism because she has both the prejudice and the power. And then that leads to a socialization for the child being like, okay, my parents don't want me to interact with black people. Therefore they must be bad. And then that person is going to then grow up with that socialization and perpetuate these systems of racism. I got you. So back to your whole um, uh, white people benefiting from racism. Can you elaborate on that again? Yeah. I think that white people benefit from racism, just like male people, males benefit from like, Patriarchy, yeah. Um, Patriarchy, exactly. Um, It's a system where, you know, I think that being able to not have to think about race in a class, that's a privilege and that's a benefit for somebody. Um, And that's something that like I myself can't benefit from. Any other, any class that I take, I have to think about race. I have to think about how I am interacting with this world that I'm living in. I can't just enter a classroom with my hood on and like, whatever and think that like it'll be all right because yeah in a certain way and that will then narrow whatever I have in terms of what I get for grades whether I can ask that professor for a letter of recommendation so in that sense that white people have a little bit more leniency when it comes to institutions in terms of how they can perform their race there's definitely a perception that is uh, put on African-Americans versus uh, white people, uh, Caucasian-Americans. And I've noticed that a lot in my own personal experiences. It's just like what you were saying about the fact is there are things that as black people we think about before, before it, but like something that, that white people don't even consider. Like the fact of walking at night, you know what I'm saying? Like a, as a black person, you know, I, if it's chilly outside, I have to make sure, okay, I'm wearing a coat that doesn't have a hood. And basically, you won't be catching me outside at night anyway, regardless. But the point is, if I wanted to, there's this level of fear that exists there that, like you said before, white people don't have that, 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 same, that same fear, that same anxiety. The fact of like, as I'm driving down the road, I'm looking at my speed limit. I'm, my seatbelts are always on, you know, my, um, make sure everything in my car is situated as far as like my, having my insurance readily available and making sure that I'm watching out for cops, even though I'm not doing anything illegal. Mm-hmm. The fact that I have to even think about, Oh God, you know, like there's a cop behind me, like I'm, my hands are on the wheel. Like, you know, I'm doing, even though I know I'm doing the right thing. And that's the real kicker right there. That people don't even think about like I'm uh, like when I drive to work every day I'm always there's always this little bit of fear that I have when I get behind that wheel every time and it's something I can't I, there's something I can't control it just happens or it, every single every single time I get in that car because I'm always like what if this is the day 
Right. Well, right. this is the day I get pulled over. You know what I'm saying? Again, I don't I don't participate in any illegal activities, none of that stuff, but it doesn't matter. You see what I'm saying? And that that to me, that and that's why going back to what I said earlier, that's why I feel like there's a certain level of um just there's a certain level of racism that exists within people because even as a black person, I'm aware of these institutions, I'm aware of these things. And when I see like I said, my white friends get into the car and they like they drove like when I've been driving places with by my white friends, I'm like, bitch, you ain't you doing 80 and like it's a we, this is the 60. What are you doing? Like, and I'm just like nervous because in my mind, again, if we get pulled over, what's gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? Is that gonna change if if, if they see him, it's gonna be fine. But if they see me in the car, you know, like those are the things that I think about, you know? And I, I really do feel like what you were saying about the whole that that system of benefiting from uh, that, the systems in place that uh, keep minorities down, I think that that's definitely a, a, a part of that in that way, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, even I experienced stuff like that. Like, last year I had a astronomy class, so we would have to be in the lab at night to look at the stars. So I'd be getting out of class at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was also living off campus that semester. Uh -huh. So I would have to walk from like my, the main campus to take a shuttle to someplace where I can walk back to my apartment. Um, and I always remember having to make like the conscious decision to stay like on the road instead of like some of the different paths, even though those may be shortcuts to my apartment because the road has lights, it has street lights, it has cars moving by. Meanwhile, the path, those are dark. They don't have as much light. Um, and I remember like one of the times just walking back home and seeing a police car behind me. And as soon as they saw me, the lights turned on. And I was like, well, walking home from class, I'm at this great institution. I do my work. I'm stellar student. And that can all change just because of the color of my skin. Yeah, my personal experience um, when it comes to racism specifically is that I was at a job one time. This is when I was just starting out. I was like, I was around 15, 16 years old and I was sitting at the um, desk and um, there was this lady walked up and we were just talking or whatever, Kiki, and my, my manager was white and she was sitting there. And it's not funny, but it's just, it's like, it's so it's so insistent to the point where you can't help but laugh at it. Like, wow, like, I just can't believe this happened. Because when I was sitting there, we were talking about it. And, you know, the other lady who was sitting uh, where I was helping was uh, Black. And she, we were just having a conversation, whatever the case may be. And she's like, well, you know, they work you hard in here, don't they? Whatever the case may be. You know, just small talk between customer and associate, whatever. And my boss was like, yeah, I work them hard in here. I cracked that whip. And I'm like. Read the room, darling. <laughs> The customer looks at me because she's a black woman and she's like, did she just say that? I say, yeah, she did. And it was one of those cringing moments. And then my boss looks to me like, you know, I don't work y'all too hard because she was looking to me to like be like, oh, you're okay for making that joke. And I was like, bitch, there is no. And the fact that all of the people that were beneath her were uh, people of color, like Black and um, uh, Indian, Native American. So like, we're all, I mean, we, I'm sitting up there. I was the one who heard it, but I was like, the level of unprofessionalism, the level of racism. Astronomical. Astronomical. And I just, 
it just baffled me at how she just didn't even see how that joke could have gone, like how, how that joke went. Does that make sense? Like she didn't even have the foresight to be like, maybe that's not funny. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe that she wasn't. Have to. She doesn't that, have to think about the racial impacts of her conversations. And what makes it worse is she looked to you for validation. Yes. That, that person was like, oh, well, like it's, it's okay. Or <laughs> if it wasn't okay, she looked to you to be able to like explain why it's not okay. And that's not what our role as a black person is in it's any the, situation. I swear that to me, like people trying to uh, look to us for validation about their like black, like, oh, I got a lot of black friends and I know a lot of things about black people. Like I'm basically black. It's like, no baby, no baby, no baby. That's not how that works. <laughs> that, that's not how that works. Like I've had a lot of friends, specifically, especially when this, uh, when the Black Lives Matter movement um, really started to get traction this year. First of all, it wasn't, it didn't just start randomly, but right. you know, when it started to actually get the media attention that it actually deserves. Um, I did have a friend reach out to me and she's like, well, I hope that you're okay. I'm just checking on all of my black friends and blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to know, and I'm like, you're checking on me now. Where was that energy before? And that's my whole thing. Like, I don't see you checking in once a year or no, or once a month or even just the fact that she felt like this was going to make her less racist in my eyes, because I'm like, the fact that you felt like reaching, like you reached out to me and like, oh, I, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm here for you if you're me. Like, I'm like, ma'am, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, what <laughs> are you employing? Please explain to me how you say, I'm, I'm here for you if you need me. Ma'am, ma'am, what, what do I need for? Performative at best. <laughs> like, it's a performance. It, it, just, it doesn't it really, have actual sustenance to that. And that's my whole thing. Like, yes, she shared the um, she shared the the, the black, you know, the black uh, square for whatever the case may be. But I'm like, you know, I guess the thing that really kind of struck me off, like struck me as like odd with it was the fact that like, I didn't see you talking about black lives before this. I didn't see you talking about the people who have died before Trayvon Martins. And so like, I, I didn't see you talking about them. But suddenly because it's, it's, exciting now and that's really what it has become almost it's almost become commercialized a little bit just temporarily it's become temporarily commercialized because people don't want to look racist so they share the black block they say black lives matter oh i wanted to bring this up with you and i want to talk to you about this do you remember uh jeffrey star mm -hmm. and what's the other guy shane dawson right the bitch, uh dude you remember him um, and the whole videos and stuff and all the apologies they've made and, some, and all that stuff about the performative allyship that you brought up. Um, it's crazy to me how every time racism is brought up and they apologize, or excuse me, apologize for it or apologize about it, it's always, I was going through a really difficult time in my life. It was a real, I was, I was, I was going through depression and I was struggling really hard and I just, I wanted to hurt people. And I just, and I, I, I am, I, I am sorry that I said what I said then, but I'm a different person now. And it's just blah, 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 blah. And it's the times whole, are changing? It's the, and, and then they sit there and why are you worried about me? You should be worried about Breonna Taylor. You should be worried about blah, 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 blah. And it's like, don't use, 
don't use the Black Lives Matter movement as a distraction from the shit that you did. And in both of those situations, I didn't see any receipts of you donating to the Black Lives Matter Foundation. I didn't see any receipt of you getting a, um, a Black YouTuber on or you saying, you know what, let me promote a couple Black businesses for a few weeks. Let me, and even at the very least, at the very least, something. If you look, if you look, I don't know if it's still up now, but at the Jeffree Star video, when it's apology video, if you looked at the like uh, description box, not one link is about Black Lives Matter. Not, not a donate link, none of that. It's all about new makeup launch, but because they're apologizing, apologizing to us, they get that same traction of saying, I'm an ally and I know what I did was wrong, but yet they use those same excuses. And how do you feel about people using excuses of like mental health to excuse their racism? Sis, depression does not make you racist. <laughs> mental, like, mental health issues of our, is very serious, of course. Like, Absolutely. I have... Absolutely. I love... I, I talk about mental health issues a lot because of my mental health issues. Yeah. But that doesn't impact me in turning in terms of making me racist. That yeah. doesn't impact me in terms of making me go through this dark time to where all of a sudden then I'm doing these things that are inexcusable. Yes. Like racism is something that should be a basic knowledge that this is bad. <laughs> it should be one yeah, plus one. One more time for the people in the back, Daquan, say it one more time. Racism should be this fundamental knowledge that it is bad. It is one plus one. That is all we are asking of you. We're not asking you calculus. We're not asking you trigonometry. <laughs> like, this is basic. One plus one <laughs> equals two. And that, and that kills me all bad. the time when I see my friends talking about, well, is, uh, I, I just don't understand, like, you know, I'm not racist, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And they still do those same things and like you said they look to you for validation about why they what they did was racist or why even like you said even if we're going back to the whole fact of like saying all white people are racist but the fact is that action that you just did was racist right what you just said was racist and that's a problem and you need to recognize that problem and find a solution to it and it's not like you said before it's not just about asking us because we're not your race explainers. Like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you why you're racist or why this is a problem because you should know these things. Like you said, it's a fundamental thought. It's a fundamental thing that you should... That, what I don't like is when white people act so surprised so, that so. racism still exists. It's always, oh, it was hundreds of years ago. Like, hun like they had like, this shit was biblical times. Like... Oh, why are you bringing race up as a problem here? Because it always is one. It, it, right. I'm confused. I'm confusion. Why, why, um, why suddenly do you think this is a, and that's what kids like, even when we look back on different shows and such, like, um, specifically, um, the early 2000s, especially like you'll see, you will see a lot of, even now, I don't know what the fuck I said to early, even now, like you see that in our television, the fact that when we finally get a, um, a black superhero, it, it took us how long to finally have a black superhero mega movie where it was actually the, the star of a movie versus yeah. the side character. We look at X-Men's or whatever the case may be. And our, one, our sole black character, Storm, we just root for that bitch. She got two lines. 
She got two lines in the whole film, but we rooting for her. You know what I'm saying? Things like that that we see, and it's kind of like people don't even, this, this is built into the fabric of everything that we do. Not just at your job, but in your TV shows, in your movies, in your, and, and what makes me the most upset at when, pe- when I hear people say things like, oh, well, why, do, why, why is it that we have to um, talk about this all the time? Why is it always such a problem? It's like, because there are no solutions being found. There is no, there's no, there's nothing that's being spoken about on a consistent basis, yet these things are still, are still happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you don't talk about it, you're going to repeat it. And it's been repeating for literal centuries. Apathy is worse than hate. That's what the people say a lot of the time. And it's kind of like you being completely acting as if there's... Jane Elliott uh, had a speech one time. And what she said when they, it really struck me to my core. Because what she said was she had spoke to a room of people. And I heard this on Bob the Drag Queen's podcast, Sibling Rivalry. And what she said, she said that uh, Jane Elliott was talking to a group of people. And she said, and it was a group of white people, and she said, raise your hand if you think America is racist. And no one raised their hands. And then she said, okay, um, if you want to be treated the way that Black people are treated in America today, raise your hands. Nobody raised their hands. And she said, so what you're saying is, you know there's a problem. You know there's an issue going on with Black people, but you're just choosing to ignore it because it does not affect you directly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bitch, I, I see uh, not, your, not this white woman, not, not this white woman getting all these facts together. And that's what I, and that's what we talk about, that whole performative allyship. That's where a lot of that, what people just think, as long as we don't talk about it, it's not a problem. As long as I don't talk about seeing my black coworker getting talked to about this, about wearing um, a black, our black female coworker wearing um, a dress that's definitely on that length that it's supposed to be because she's a little more bodied than say her white counterparts, she's told she has to go home. She's told she has to change her outfit when it's the exact same specifications in the book or um, when we look at the military, specifically, um, when it comes to uh, males, I think they have to have their hairs. I think they have to be three inches above their head. But yet, white men have these comb overs, and that hair is—I'm sure, I'm certain—more than three inches above their head. Or white women bl- uh, dyeing their hair blonde, but having a—I've um, heard a lot of people. One, uh, one of my friends, she worked, she's, she used to be in the military, and she said that they told her that she couldn't have blonde hair because it's not, um, it's, it's, she couldn't dye her hair. And she was like, well, what about that white girl over there who has those black roots coming out of her head? Right. What about right. that? Because there's that naturally blonde hair. It's not, it's not, I don't know where people thought that we don't, we can't have blue eyes or blonde hair, but okay, girl, go off. Like, okay, sis. And that just, and that just kills me because people have this, this inherent, prejudice that they don't even notice and when we bring it up it's always like it's not about that it's always this anger why do you think that white people get so angry when we bring up racism defensive it's one of those things that being coined a racist is such an issue for them like that is the last thing that they want to be um but i think that that's one of the reasons why we need to like get rid of this term ally 
Like, mm-hmm. we should not need allyship. Like, you should not be striving to be an ally because I think it creates this dichotomy of either you are an ally or you are a racist and white people don't want to be seen as racist. So they consider themselves allies because they are not being outwardly racist. When in reality, I think that, A, again, it's a fundamental thing. Like you should not be getting some type of praise or a significant title because you are not being a crappy human being to black. <laughs> like that oh, should love that baby. They love good for not being racist. Um, but also I think that it's a situation where I believe that the reason why we don't need allyship is because it doesn't come with like an action plan. You know, Dr. Alicia Gaines talks about something called empathy plus. And I think that is something that all white people need to employ. Empathy plus is not just saying, oh, well, like, I really feel bad about what you're going through. And like, I'm here for you if you ever need to talk. Empathy plus is going to that next level and being able to risk it, risk what you have in order for progress. Like you need to be able to like risk your job to speak up for the black workers at your job because you then have a privilege to be able to secure another job or secure a recommendation because you benefit from the institution of racism. So by having that empathy plus, that's the only way we're really going to make change because change is going to be uncomfortable for white people, period. Yes. You just have to accept that because at the end of the day, life has been uncomfortable for black people for centuries. And that, that really is a big problem that I've noticed too, is that, you know, and back going back to our whole thing of the example of the girl who had reached out to me, it's kind of like, when you are just simply trying to get the okay that you're not racist from someone, that's not helping anyone but you. It's not helping the Black experience. It's not helping better Black people. It's just making you feel good and fuzzy inside because you're not a bad person. And like you said before, I don't think that we should be celebrating people doing the right thing. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like when, uh, what's his, I don't know what the guy's name is, but like when, uh, when there, like there, there was this, there was this, what's that, what is that, um, that, that, um, basketball player's name who has the transgendered, um, daughter? What's his, you know his name? Dwayne, yes. And they were like, oh, it's so great that he didn't, you know, hate his daughter because, you know, she came out as transgender. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why would you hate your daughter in the first place? Why would you hate your child? Why, why are we sitting here celebrating them for doing what they should be doing? You shouldn't hate your child because they're trans or gay or whatever the case may be. You see what I'm saying? And the same thing goes with black people and uh, white people and the fact that white people thinking, oh, well, you know, I said something about Black Lives Matter. So you should thank me because I didn't have to, but I did. And it's like, well, no, you should have been doing that. It, should, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't take the death of another black person to make you think, well, maybe I should say something. Maybe I should, maybe I should do something here. And it's all, I've noticed a lot of times, especially in my, um, my friend groups a lot when I was uh, in high school, that it was always that kind of thing of like, oh, well, you know, I've got a whole bunch of black friends, so I could never be racist. I could never, there, there is not a racist bone in my body. Not a, not a drop of one. Not a drop of racism in me. And I could never, I could never. This, that's the drop of racism talking. That's the drop of, 
And I'm like, you saying that? <laughs> and that and that's what I get at all the time. It's like when people like um once again, we do I do appreciate white people sharing their power to make because they say the one thing the way that we're gonna stop racism, and I, I wanted to ask you about this too, because I've I've spoken to a lot of different people about this. There's a lot of people who are black separatists and stuff like that. And I just want to talk to you about this, see what your stance is on this. But the way that I feel that we're gonna truly make a lasting effect, a lasting change, is if white people recognize that they have power and black people recognize that we need that power because unfortunately as a minority we are not strong enough or powerful enough on our own to take down institutions that were created by white people because they're the ones in power now i'm not saying that we're weak but right. what i'm saying yeah. is that in order for us to make a lasting change we have to have our x-men quote unquote we have to have those people who are going to fight for us when the aliens attack, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a, a, the way I kind of the way I kind of equi uh, equate it to is um, it's not that um, it's not that we are um, unable to do it on our own. It's that if we were to do it on our own, we, we would not be strong enough to take it all down. We can take down pieces parts of it by letting some of us trickle into the government and stuff like that but it takes that white person taking like what's that guy's name from the, the guy who owns reddit when yeah. he stepped down from that seat he sacrificed the power that he intrinsically has as a white person and said put a person of color in charge and that's where i go with the fact of we need white people to share that power because there are too many white men and women who are at the top of the, of the food chain. Yeah. And in order for us to change systems like systemic racism, we're going to have to get to the top of the food chain. But if it's only white people up there, what are we to do? Do you see what I'm saying? What do you feel about that? I 100% agree. Like it comes back to this. You have to have more than just empathy. You have to be able to put action to your empathy. And it's one of those situations where progress has always been slow because at the end of the day, these same institutions are still in power. These same institutions are still being used and weaponized against Black people. And it's not until we recognize the inherent racism of these institutions and take steps to dismantle these institutions before we will be able to like actually feel the change that we need like being white is a superpower let's be real like it's a superpower in and of itself and when you are a white person in a position to help a black person or help the black experience or to help people of color in general take that time that is how you do it and i, I remember there was one lady at my job um and she said that she was a manager uh back in the 70s of of, of, of like a of like a gym or some shit right mm -hmm. and she said that her boss told her not to hire any niggas. Like, not, don't hire not one of them. And she was like, so you know what I have to do? I had to hire black people. <laughs> so she had took it upon herself to hire a lot of, of African-American people in her place of business to show that she was like, this is not, this is not okay. I'm not going to sit here and stand by you saying this. I'm going to be the change. I'm going to be the change and not just say the change. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, that's the, and that's the biggest difference there. She sacrificed, she could have got fired. And she knew she could have gotten fired. But she still went ahead and did it. Does that make sense? 
And, yeah. and that to me is true. And that like, I know you don't like the term, but like that's that to me is true allyship is the fact that you are saying, I could risk losing everything. I could lose, I could lose this job. I don't have any other jobs right now. This is all I've got going on. But I know that this is not right. And I'm gonna do something about it. And what I've noticed is that people tend to listen to people who look like them. And me and you sitting here saying, hey, stop that. That's not right. No, no, no. Don't, no, no. (laughs) That's hot now. You need to stop that. Yeah, bad, bad racist, bad racist. But like us saying that is not as powerful as a white woman going, hey, that's not right. Or, hey, this is not okay. And uh, there's a story that I saw on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen this before, but it was this lady who said she was in line at a uh, grocery store. Have you heard the story? I don't think so. No, you haven't heard it? Okay, so basically she said that her, her, um, her sister was a really, uh, either her sister or her mother-in-law, uh, um, or her sister-in-law, but basically she was a really, really light-skinned, like passing. She could pass as white. And she went into the line with the check and she wrote a check and she gave it to the lady. The lady was really friendly, really whatever. Like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, he came with her, right? Now this black woman walks up to the counter. She does the same thing. She says, hey, how are you? But the lady's immediately like stone-faced, nothing to say. She's like, okay, she didn't didn't think anything of it. So she writes a check to give it to the lady. The lady takes a check and pulls out the bad checkbook and says, I need two pieces of ID and stuff like that, or whatever the case may be, whatever, whatever, right? And the lady was like, I'm just going to go ahead and do it, whatever the case may be, like, because she didn't want to, she wanted to be that angry black woman type of situation. And her passing friend walked up and was like, what are you doing? And she was like, well, we have to do this thing. We have to do the, the, two, the two-step verification and the odd, looking at the checkbook. And she was like, no, because you didn't do that to me when I was just there. This is my sister-in-law. She's lived here. She's been at this place. She's been in this grocery store for like 16 years. I just moved here a month ago. So it's not about, oh, you know her or know me better. None of that. So why did you do that? And then the lady's like, oh, 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 whatever, whatever. And the white woman behind the black lady said, hold on a second. Yeah, I noticed that too. And they started talking. And it went up to the manager or whatever the case may be. But the point is, the black woman herself, she said, I didn't want to have to say anything. Because had I spoken up, I would have just been another angry black woman versus having these three white people standing with me to say this, what you're doing is wrong. This is racism and it needs to stop. And that power most likely led to that that particular cashier getting fired. And that goes back to, that harkens back to what we're talking about of the fact of white people, black people by ourselves are not strong enough to take down institutions built by white people. And I think that that's, that's where I get to this, that whole point of like, because I've talked to a lot, a lot of people like that, and, there's, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of separatism in the black community about we should be better than them, or we should be this to them, and so on the forth. And I'm like, all of that is not going to solve anything. Like, we're further separating ourselves from the issue. You know, that didn't work before, and it's not working now, you know? Being consistently separating ourselves. The fact is, we need to have those circles opened up. We need to have white people involved in these situations so that they can talk to their other white peers to say, hey, this is a problem. Do you, have you ever had an experience or have you ever had a personal experience about a white person who's taken up for you or taken up for something that they knew was wrong? 
honestly, not really. Like, I've had people, you know, do that same performative thing of, like, checking in and but in terms of, like, actual hard stances on being like, hey, that's wrong. I haven't really noticed too many of those instances. But I will say a lot of the instances where I've had to deal with things like that have been me by myself. And I think that's a reason because, like, being at a predominantly white campus, like, if I am surrounded by white people, then people would perceive me as less of a threat because then they're going to be like, oh, well, like, he's one of them good ones. Um, he oh, oh, no, you did. Oh, that people. Um, so I feel like most of the times when I have to deal with things of racism, I am not surrounded by white people or there are not white people present. Um, but do you believe that if, um, if, like in your particular environment with uh, as, as many white people have you been in, um, have you noticed um, that unconscious, um, that unconscious prejudice that comes about it? Like, have you like specifically when it comes to um, your hair, like have you noticed white guys or white women being like, oh my God, can I just? All the time. And there's just these situations, like I remember a situation like this happening um, not too long ago. Um, and it was me, there was another black person in the room and somebody was just touching our hair and we just looked at each other and we were like, and we bust out laughing because we had a whole conversation without saying anything and the other person was completely ignorant. They did not know what was going on. And it's one of those things that like, as a black person in a white space, you just move through certain things differently. Um, and I do think that there is this advantage of being able to be like, hey, that's a problem. But it's also not always my place to be like, hey, that's like, you can research that yourself. You can figure those things out yourself. It shouldn't be always us coming into contact. But I do think that there is a benefit for sometimes being able to check your friends. Like I have friends who you know, I'll see something that they post on their story and I'll be like, hey, like, I don't like that. And I have one friend in particular, they will like have a great conversation with me about whatever happens. And they'll come with their points. I'll come with my points. We come to an understanding of where each other is coming from. And I think that's how progress happens. Like, that's how you go about things. And so I appreciate them not being like, oh, well, like, I'm not racist, blah, 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 blah. They're like, I hear you. Like, I want you to know that I am listening to you. I am understanding you. Here's how I was thinking, but I do understand you saying this counteracts X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that I've noticed that too. What I, what I do like is the fact of when there are white people who are open to the conversation of race, and it's not that big of a, and it's not, it's, it, and they're able to really kind of hash out the uh, the problems they have. There was this one um, guy that I used to be uh, friends with at my old job, and he was like around 40, he was an old, 40 year old white man, you know what I'm saying? And, we was, and I'm 21 year old black dude. So, you know, imagine there was a lot of, I'm, I'm gay as fuck and he's straight as fuck. So there was a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of that, but we had a really cool, um, we, we, we had really good, chemistry with each other as, as far as friends wives go and he lived a very different life experience than I'm currently living and when we would talk we'd have these discussions especially when it comes to 
uh, different movies being released or different things happening when it comes to black people sending for, and all that stuff. And one specific time he had spoke to me and we were talking about the whole fact that he was like, you know what I don't like when um, I hear about black people complaining about, you know, um, uh, it being so hard for them. It's hard for everybody. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I was like, oh, wait a minute, baby. And I was like, let me hold pause. <laughs> pause, baby. Wait a minute. And let me explain something to you. And we would have these conversations. And I told him that one time I was like, listen, I'm not saying that white people don't struggle, but their race is not a reason they are struggling. There's the difference there. And having that conversation with him helped him even at, even at four, because that's what I don't like is when people say that when people are stuck in their ways. I don't believe that. I don't believe that 100% at all. Like I, I completely disavow that. Um, that narrative that people can't change at, at a, after a certain point. Because this 40-year-old white man, we would have these conversations and we finally reach a consensus or a conclusion. I could see his thought process changing in the way that he addressed and spoke to me and spoke to other people. Specifically when we had, he had a situation one time, this is not about the black thing, but about the gay thing. Specifically, I was talking about that night, you know, explained a lot of things to him about it because he didn't understand it. And he said that he was at a bar one time without me. And he said that he heard some other white person saying like, oh, I just can't believe that, you know, um, you, uh, that people are gay. It's just all choice and bullshit, bullshit. Just spewing a lot of hate, just spewing a lot of hate. And he said he walked over there and he was like, I don't believe that people choose to be gay. I think that is not, that's not a choice. I don't think people are, I don't think black people are sitting at home like, this black shit is too easy. Let me add being gay to that too. And yeah. <laughs> Let me just get extra oppression. Let me add this extra little splat. This oppression wasn't nothing. Let me add some more oppression on top of that. But even though he did it in a joking way, even though he made a, a joke about it in the situation, he checks someone without another black person being present in that situation. He checks someone independently of me as a white person because I opened that conversation, because we had that conversation, because we were able to discuss that. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and like you said before, explain to you why you are racist, explain to you what you should do. But I'm definitely open to having a discussion about what problems we see in the world right. and how we can go about finding solutions together. And in doing so, that affects change in the grand scheme. Because it's almost like now that I've said that to him and now that he's spread that as a white man, as a 40 year old white man, straight white man, to that group, that bar at that place, some white other, some other white person who probably held those same beliefs may be thinking themselves, wait a minute, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe there, you know, maybe there is something the matter with me, you know, pulling an aerial on that shit. Anyway, <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make here <laughs> But well, the point I'm trying to make here is that whole, that whole conversation that we had, those conversations that we had changed the fundamental beliefs that he had as a white man. Mm -hmm. And that to me helped him spread that, that, spread that same change to other people. You see what I'm saying? And, and right. I, think, I think that that, that promoted the most, that, that's going to be able to promote the most change, having these conversations with other white people, having the things that we're doing right now with this right here and having someone who might watch is going, wait a minute, maybe I'm racist as fuck. <laughs> or maybe that shit I did a couple of years back wasn't so cute, you know? And I think it's important to note that it has to be like actively with people who are not of the same mindset. 
Like, you can't go to, like, your white book club that's all about, we're all, like, liberal and, like, trying to learn together. Like, yes, you're having conversations with each other, but that's not, like, changing your mindsets. Like, you talking to somebody who's already like-minded, that's not going to change anything. Yes, you can use it as a way to, like, build your thought and, like, be able to, like, understand your position and be able to, like, start to practice what you would say to somebody who doesn't agree with you. Um, but it always comes to like, you have to be able to like check your racist relatives. If your parents are homophobic, go tell them they're homophobic. If your grandparents are racist, tell them they're racist. That, and I had, I had one friend like that uh, when the whole, when this whole uh, Brianna, when the Brianna Taylor thing, when, um, uh, George Floyd stuff started really like popping off and people was hearing about it and stuff like that. She said that I had, I had to have a debate in my house. We were screaming and yelling about why this is wrong because I, after speaking with you and talking to you about this stuff and understanding this stuff, I was able to communicate the same thing to my parents who do not believe the same thing, who believe that it was all this and that the riots were this and that the bull and all that, whatever the case may be. And she was able to have those conversations with them to change their mindset. And even if she doesn't fully uh, rehabilitate them, she's giving them that seed of doubt about maybe what I was raised to believe about white people and black people wasn't right. It's a little push, but it's- A little push. But being that it was from their own daughter, it might've pushed even, it might've been even a larger push. You know what I'm saying? We have, but, but the fact, like you said before, having that, having that conversation, having that um, discussion, having people actually empathy plus, having them recognize as a problem and, act, and actively find, try to find solutions to it. Um, one of my, again, one of my bosses, the same thing with her too. She's like, I'm a white woman and I know that I have a lot of privilege as a white woman. And I bring it up into my circles of other white women all the time about why racism is bad and why she's like that is whatever the case may be. And that, that is how you ask. Right. You say, I explain to them as a fellow white person what racism is and what they're seeing in their life. Even if they, even though what you said before, it is fundamental. People have to be reminded of those fundamental truths about our society. And, and like she said, she's had people, so many people check her and be like, why are you doing this? All the white friends, why are you bringing it up? It's like, because we have to. It's necessary. It's necessary for us to have this conversation. All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of our episode today, Daquan. <laughs> I mean, I can go on for longer, but like so much longer for, for these purposes. For, this, for, the, for the purposes of this particular um, episode, we're going to cut it right here. I think that this is a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed the points that you made, especially about the fact of um, you don't think all white people are racist. I, I did not. I did not. At first, I wouldn't wish you with that one at first, bitch. I was like, okay, wait a minute now. But then you explained. I was like, okay, okay, I feel it. I feel, I feel, I feel where you're coming from. We, we here with it. We here with it. Everybody has their own definition of racism. Yep, that's, that is definitely true. So, I, I mean, guys, we're going to see you guys next week, hopefully, to give you guys another episode of the Melanin um, Margin, bitch. What's good? We're going to see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>